Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to Exploring the Lord of the Rings. This is session number 164 of Exploring the Lord of the Rings. And tonight, we are going to get to see, well, not exactly post-apocalyptic Isengard, but post, uh, well, you know, we're going to see the external effects. Uh, this is what I love about this passage, as, of course, we get the dis Gandalf's description from the roof. Um... We, uh, we get to see what the external effects of some of the, the sort of the doctrines that, uh, um, uh, that Saruman has been talking about, you know, has been, has been uh, explaining, uh, and we, get, we, we can see the immediate fruit of them, and I think that that's, uh, uh, that's really fun. So that's um, one of the things that we're going to be looking at uh, here tonight. Um, for those of you who are new, I see that there are several people uh, in our Discord channel who have just caught up uh, with uh, uh, with the, the the class here. I know a lot of people who uh, you know pick up this podcast partway through. You know, see, oh look, yeah, there's like 330 hours worth of listening to catch up with. It's true. Um, so it's a, it's a wonderful feat. We always welcome people who uh, join us. And of course, as I always say, though, you know, in my completionist heart, I certainly understand uh, when people don't take me up on this invita invitation, you're always welcome just to come in and jump in in the end with us and catch up as you go along. Um, but anyway, uh, there, um, uh, there we are. Um, Okay, so you guys are getting a... Oh, that's really strange. Okay, hang on. Um, better? Twitch sound better? How's that? Yeah? Okay. Good? All right. I think that's better. That looks better. Okay, excellent. No idea what happened there. Um, yeah. Managing, like four different interfaces uh, <laughs> makes a big difference. Anyway, okay. So, um, so tonight we're going to jump back into, we just finished our discussion of Gandalf and Saruman's uh, uh, really important uh, little conversation there uh, in Isengard. And tonight we're going to look at sort of uh, some of the, uh, the fallout, uh, physical, spiritual, and whatnot. Uh, first, a couple of announcements. Uh, I have, uh, there's some there's some really exciting things. Um, uh, some really exciting things going on in Signum World. Uh, so I wanted to make sure everybody knows about that first, because I haven't in a while. I wanted to remind people uh, to check out our Signum Path courses. Uh, Signum Path is a new program that Signum launched earlier this year, uh, which is designed to be a professional development uh, program. A professional development program, professional development mini courses uh, for folks who want to develop what are commonly called soft skills. Uh, these incredibly important professional skills, communication skills and emotional intelligence and all that kind of thing. Um, things that are enormously valuable for uh, uh, for every workplace. Um, but hard uh, to find really good resources to help to develop those. Uh, so Signum Path was designed to help uh, kind of fill that gap. Um, we are uh, preparing now for our new courses, you know, for you know, launching a new round of courses here in January. Um, so uh, we're not doing, we're not doing, we do path courses every month. We're not doing them in December because the holidays make December kind of complicated. So we're taking December off and we're planning to start up again um, 
in uh, in January. Yeah, JJ took our time management class. Said that that was very helpful. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's it's been a really fun thing. We've had a wonderful time with the students that we've had so far. I'm really looking forward to uh, more folks joining us for that. And in particular, I would just throw out there: uh, if you are um, a human resources person, we'd love to talk with you. We'd love to get you in for a free class. We think that this is something that could be really valuable uh, for a lot of companies, and you know that we can make available for very very little uh, in terms of financial commitment. So uh, something that could you know we have a, a program that could really benefit your uh, employees, uh, and, and you know which employees I'm talking about, um, really really uh, uh, greatly. I think. Um, so anyhow, that's. Um, uh, that's the uh, that's that's one announcement. Just a reminder, because uh, I said I haven't talked about that in a long time. The second thing is a little bit more of an announcement, um, uh, a bit of a teaser because we don't have the information out yet. But I wanted to let everybody know. I kind of I think I teased a little bit last week that we had a, uh, a new, that I had an announcement forthcoming fairly soon, uh, and it's uh, it's it's ready to be released. Very soon. I think by next week, uh, we will actually have it uh, open uh, and ready. But I wanted to let you guys know what's happening. Um, this is um, uh, this is uh, this is a brand new thing that we are starting. Um, we're not going to launch the program. Actual classes and stuff aren't going to begin until January. Um, but there's a there's another area that Signum really, really wants to fill, a place where we felt that we could really help. Um, a lot of you guys will know, I mean, any of you guys who are parents uh, know that one of the really challenging things, of course, everybody's been having a tough time with school this year, of course, in the pandemic circumstances. But one of the things that has been kind of... Um, sort of submerged in a sense beneath the fact that there's been a lot of struggle with school and a lot of kids getting frustrated with remote school. Um, one of the things that I know that my kids have really suffered from is the fact that extracurriculars are like gone. You know, there's very, it's very, very hard uh, to find good extracurriculars and in, in especially uh, really good, you know, academically enriching uh, extracurriculars, you know, like the kind of extracurriculars they used to hold like after school, back when people used to go to school, uh, all that kind of thing. Um, so Signum is, has been developing uh, and is just about ready to release a new uh, set of extracurricular clubs uh, for kids K through 12. Uh, and these are going to be language arts clubs. We're, we're looking at uh, book clubs, creative writing clubs. So we'll do creative writing workshops and language clubs. Con uh, we're going to start especially with like immersive conversational language uh, in foreign languages. Um, and we want to make those available uh, to kids. That's it. We're, 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 we're planning uh, to do this for kids age, um, age K through 12. Uh, Sam, dramatic philology for kids. I'm not going to lie. That's totally coming. We're actually going to do that. Um, do not be surprised. Like, uh, uh, like the, the, the talk like a Viking class. I, you know, I think it's only a matter of time uh, before uh, before we do that. No, actually, we have some more development projects that we're working on. Probably not going to lead with that one, Sam, but it's totally coming. Um, so... Um, uh, anyway, it's it's. Uh, I, I think this is going to be a really fun opportunity. So it's going to be called the Signum Academy Clubs. Keep an eye out for that. Uh, by next week, we should have a registration link up for people to express uh, uh, for people to express uh, interest. Um, it's going to be. Uh, 
uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So um, we're going to be doing, and these are these are these are not they're not courses, right? People aren't going to be signing up for like taking a particular class. These are going to be just an ongoing um, extracurricular activity uh, for kids. So you know, people will be signing up uh, on a monthly subscription basis. The clubs are going to be meeting twice a week, um, uh, twice a week for an hour. Uh, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be really fun. So, um, and yep, yep. Nope. Middle-aged school kids. Yep. Th that will, oh, for, for middle-aged kids. Well, I already have a bunch of extracurricular activity for middle-aged kids, Emily. Uh, that's, that's, that's what we're here for, isn't it? Uh, so yeah, yeah. Um, that's right. It's just what Druid's Fire was saying there too. Um, but, um, anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, so just wanted to let you guys know that's something that we are uh, we are preparing uh, to release very soon. Uh, I'm really excited about it. I have uh, thought for a while that um, you know for long, many years actually um, that the kind of you know the kind of small group synchronous online education that we do at Signum would be really really beneficial to um, uh, to a lot of families to a lot of kids and it's something I've been wanting to organize and I've tried a couple times in a couple different ways uh, and the moment has never been quite right well now it kind of seems that the moment is right uh, for this of course all of these uh, these gatherings are completely online and therefore you know this is the uh, uh, this is the perfect pandemic circumstance. And not to put too fine a point on it, come and let your kids do a fun remote learning experience that they will really enjoy uh, from the folks who have been doing remote learning for a decade already uh, and are really comfortable with this. So um, anyway, that's uh, that's that's what we're planning. So that's going to be launching soon. Really excited about this program to wanted to to kind of give you guys a little preview of that. Uh, and I'll have more information for you guys next week, I'm sure. Um, so um, anyway, that is that is my other big announcement of uh, of of what's coming. So uh, let us get back into um, uh, the text here now, though. Uh, and as I say, we finished the conversation. So Gandalf is talking about the results. They took me and they set me alone on the pinnacle of Orthanc, in the place where Saruman was accustomed to watch the stars. There is no descent save by a narrow stair of many thousand steps, and the valley below seems far away. I looked on it and saw that, whereas it had once been green and fair, it was now filled with pits and forges. Wolves and orcs were housed in Isengard, for Saruman was mustering a great force on his own account, in rivalry of Sauron, and not in his service yet. Over all his works, a dark smoke hung and wrapped itself about the sides of Orthanc. I stood alone on an island in the clouds, and I had no chance of escape, and my days were bitter. I was pierced with cold, and I had but little room in which to pace to and fro, brooding on the coming of the riders to the north." All right. So what do we see here in Gandalf's description? So he begins simply by describing the circumstance, right? Um, that is, he describes the, the, the setting. It seems, you know, clearly, and at least in part, uh, for the benefit of those of his listeners who have not been to, Orth to Orthanc, or have not seen Isengard themselves. Right on the pinnacle of Orthanc, in the place where Saruman was accustomed to watch the stars. Um, 
his business about there being no dissent, right? You know, again, he's assuming uh, people don't um, uh, people don't know where it is. It seems a fairly secure position, um, right? There's no no descent save by a narrow stair of many thousand steps. There's only one way down, very easy to guard, and the valley below seems far away. I bet it does. Um, he looks down and sees the description. Um, you know, he, he sees the valley. Where it once had been green and fair, it was now filled with pits and forges. Um, yeah, now Fourth Dauntless says, how did Gandalf miss this when he first rode in? Um, well, it was dark when he first rode in, so he didn't see all around him. Um, I like to... This is something that I would have... I think that... I, I don't know. So... I kind of feel like Peter Jackson missed a, a fun opportunity here when he depicted this, right? Because how Peter Jackson played this, you'll remember, um, is that he had Isengard still green and fair when Gandalf arrived. And then once Saruman put Gandalf in prison, Saruman, like, sends out the order and they start, you know, pulling down the trees and and, uh, uh, and digging the pits, right? Um and, you know, assembling the forges. Uh, everything changed at that point. And it's a... I liked it. I mean, I, I liked the effect in the film. I thought that that worked really well in the film to to to, to sort of depict that sense of uh, a transformation, right? And, of course, I really loved... My favorite thing about that was the pulling down of the trees, which seemed, of course, a slightly inefficient way to do it, but... Um, but I really liked it, right? This idea of you could see like the tug of war between Saruman and the natural world, right? And and uh, and the way that the trees were tossing to and fro, and the way that that foreshadowed, uh, you know, the Ents and the the march of the forest on on Isengard. Um, th- there was a lot that I really loved about the way that Peter Jackson depicted that visually. So, like I said, it worked in the film, but that's clearly not what's happened in the book, right? Um, and when I say I think that he missed an opportunity, the opportunity uh, that I think he missed is to, um, uh, is to depict the... Um, um, uh, to depict the deception. Because there would have had to be deception uh, on, on, uh, on Saruman's part. He would have had to prepare for this, um, because there are lo- any number of ways. Um, yeah, uh, uh, Karina, I agree with you. Yes, it's dark, it's just, but wouldn't the pits and forges have a smell? Um, yeah, there are any number of Gandalf senses which could conceivably have warned him that there was something amiss, right? He could have smelled orcs, he could have smelled the forges, he could have smelled, uh, he could have heard things, right? Not only heard the, the, the you know, there being a, a suddenly strange uh, and uh, uh, noticeable sound of, of forging all over the place, right? But, uh, you know, orcs are not uh, silent, presumably. We know that for a fact based on their nickname from uh, the elves of the First Age, right? The elves of the First Age called the orcs the Glamhoth, uh, which means the 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 din horde, like the 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 horde of angry sound basically was you know with the like the the uproarious horde um so uh so yeah yeah i mean that's they're not they're not quiet folks uh orcs aren't um but um uh anyway so i i yeah tony says everyone hide everything gandalf is here well yeah i mean something like that right i mean the so first of all there's 
the whole valley is visible from the pinnacle of Orthanc, which it would not have been riding in, right? Um, um, it's possible, it's conceivable, uh, you know, as Tony's asking, that he could uh, have some enchantment or glamour uh, to hide all this. That uh, that seems to me... Um, um, that seems to me possible. Um, but, uh, but I don't know. I don't think it's necessary. I mean, again, even if... Um, even if three quarters of the valley of Isengard is already completely covered, you know, with slag and whatever else, um, you know, that means the, you know, the one radius, right, that Gandalf travels in in the dark uh, could have been pretty well, um, uh, you know, camouflaged. Like, again, it, it doesn't have to be... Um, they wouldn't have had to be anywhere near him for them still to be obviously visible from uh, the pinnacle of Orthanc. Um, noise would carry, yeah, Angris, but that's where I'm thinking, like, he would have had to prepare for this. Like, there's no way that the valley could have been full of orcs smithying things and Gandalf not have noticed that coming in, right? There's just, there's just, there's no way, right? So I absolutely believe that there has to have been a gag order, right? Saruman must have had uh, lookouts, um, you know, on the watch for Gandalf coming in, and he must have had an absolutely um, uh, he must have had an absolutely strict uh, gag order on everybody, uh, right? That no sound disturbed him, that because because they would he would not have wanted to tip Gandalf off um, on his on his way in, um, and I certainly think um, that the. Um, I certainly think that the um, it's certainly possible that there were hedges, say, along the path. Right, that would have been normal even in times uh, when there were, um, uh, you know, when everything was green uh, and fair. Um, uh, you know, hedges and rows of trees. It, it is not necessarily true, or wouldn't even have necessarily been expected. Let me put this another way: it would not have been strange at all had the road from the gate to the tower been lined with hedges or trees or whatever, right, um, such that you weren't just stepping in the gate and seeing the whole wide, um, uh, the whole wide uh, valley, you know, stretching out around you. Um, Aranas, I would have expected something like formal, you know, a formal garden-style thing um, from, uh, uh, from... Saruman, uh, when when designing, you know, when setting up his uh, uh, his his landscaping, even back in the day when he was at least masquerading um, as a good guy. Um, so now, is it possible that he, you know, chose not to be so overt in his actions until after his proposition to Gandalf? I mean, again, in one way, yes, I definitely think that he would have. He would have been looking out for Gandalf when they saw Gandalf coming. He would have been like, "Okay, we've rehearsed this, guys. Knock it off, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna burn at the stake everybody who anybody who makes a single sound as Gandalf approaches." Um, and but then after Gandalf's in prison, he doesn't care. Right now, everybody's going about their business and continuing to do their thing. Aranas, yes, Aranas says, "Rule order, exactly." Those are two of his. Uh, Two of his three ends, right? The things that it's all about for Saruman: rule and order. He's gonna, he's gonna be all about, you know, the strict control uh, of his people. So that doesn't seem, uh, that doesn't seem particularly strange. And as I say, neither would hedges. Um, so now, 
Carita, about the smell, right? Okay. Yes, that's an issue, right? That's an issue. But still there, again, I think that um, I could even imagine... This is a big deal, right? Remember how big a deal, potentially, this is. Uh, remember that I think it's very likely that Saruman believes that Gandalf could well be bringing the One Ring to him, right? So this is not just an important meeting for Saruman, right? This is potentially the culmination of all of his plots. He is rolling the dice. He's got a lot pushed into the center of the table right here, right, on this particular, on this particular gamble. So he's going to go to effort. Is it worth shutting down all of the forges for like a week in advance to make sure that no smell of, uh, you know, for, besides which, even if Gandalf did detect the smell of forges, surely Saruman had some forges before, right? Again, I, again, it, no question if there's like 50 times the amount of smithying happening that is normal, you know, in Isengard, that's going to be suspicious, but surely Saruman being who he is would have had some smithying going on. So it's not like, you know, the first smell of fire or smoke uh, and Gandalf is like, what? Something must be wrong. Like, I really don't think, um, I really don't think that that's very likely. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, good. Um, Okay, yeah, and, and Tony, it has always been a fortress, right? Now, has he had his own army? No, he hasn't had his own army. Um, Saruman doesn't really have the wherewithal to make his own army. But notice, Gandalf wasn't taken aback by the fact that there were guards at the gates. Of course there are guards at the gates, right? I mean, he's not a... Saruman isn't a hermit, right? He doesn't live by himself. Um, this isn't a bachelor pad, right? It's a big place. You know, there's gates, and he's... I mean, what is he going to... What is he... You know, you're going to knock at the gate... And Saruman's going to come, like, running down the stairs. Like, you know, he's up there looking at the stars. Like, oh, oh, hang on a second. And he's going to run down the stairs, right, down. And then he's going to run across the, the valley, right, to open the gates, right, for whoever. Of course he's going to have door people there, right? Why wouldn't he? Um, so, um, uh, anyway, there's... there's um, uh, that's not strange. Again, an army, that's strange, right? There's no excuse for an army or that... But again, I don't think... I don't think there's any reason to think that um, the mere detection of, again, of anything like that would set Gandalf off. But I do think that there is reason to think that uh, he must have, Saruman must have prepped for Gandalf's approach um, so that Gandalf would not... All he had to do is get him inside the door, right? Once Gandalf is inside the door, once he's inside Orthanc, then it's on, right? Now he has entered Saruman's central domain of power. So even if it comes to a confrontation, which remember, I think he's planning for anyway, and I think he would have been planning for it from the beginning. I would be very surprised if Gandalf had not been covered by archers from the moment he came inside of the gates, right? Uh, I mean... If I were Saruman, that's what I would do. And I don't see any reason to think that he um, wouldn't do that, right? Um, yeah. Um, Michael's wondering, and I think somebody was mentioning before also, uh, could this be a use of his, um, uh, of his, um, of his ring? Um, possibly. It's conceivable. Um, 
again, we don't really know exactly what his ring does. If his ring were involved in uh, Saruman's ring, that is, if Saruman's ring were involved in, um, you know, helping his, you know, whatever, uh, you know, his kind of deceptive powers or whatever, it could be, you know, and Tony, this comes back to the question you asked before about, um, um, you know, glamour, right? Uh, The possibility of his actually weaving some kind of visual deception and possibly more than visual deception for Gandalf uh, coming in. Um, Tony points out that uh, Gandalf, of course, does feel afraid inexplicably. He doesn't link it to anything. Like, you know, I detected a smell or I heard something that made me uneasy. Um, It is possible that Gandalf does detect... I mean, it seems that he does detect the atmosphere in some sense, right? There is something that does, in fact, um, tip Gandalf off a little bit, but he continues anyway, not uh, kind of giving the benefit of the doubt, in a sense, uh, to to Saruman. Um, But um, anyway, yeah, I, 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 I do think that Saruman would have to put forth effort to do this. But given how momentous this was... Um... He his whole plan is to lure the one whom he suspects and perhaps even hopes to be the ring bearer into his trap. Um, and so he's he would be willing to go, I would think, to a fair amount of trouble, even to like let's silence the forges for weeks, like for a fortnight, any time around when Gandalf might come. Right. Let's 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 uh, let's put our our you know weapons and armor production programs on absolute hold for that long just to make sure there's no mistakes. Because even if Gandalf were, to, what if he were to arrive during the day? He arrived at night. But what if he arrives during the day, right? And um, and sees like the whole valley full of smoke, like he describes here, right? He's gonna be a little alarmed by that. Or hey, uh, Saruman, your valley seems to be on fire. Right? I don't know if you noticed that, but um, I found it a little bit alarming, right? Um, so, um, so yeah. I mean, that, I, I think he probably would uh, have done that. And GDC, yeah, I do believe Saruman could watch him coming in the Palantir and so be able the better to prepare uh, for Gandalf's arrival uh, in that way. So, um, anyway, yeah, I um, I definitely think that, that, yeah, Michael D. says, my grandma worked in an aircraft factory during World War II and they totally changed the line to other things when the Soviets visited. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, I mean, Things like this happen, you know, like it's, you know, whether it's whether it's in a wartime circumstance like that or you're, you know, it's uh, and and this is a big deal. Right. And yes, Musical was thinking that, too. He does know the deadline that he gave to to Radagast. So um, so even there, there's um, uh, there's, uh, you know, sort of probable and. Right, as a, as a, uh, Green Great Dragon, and uh, I think somebody earlier was also pointing out he he seems to have deceived Radagast as well. Right, one wonder one could even wonder, um, was that itself a test? Right, was he seeing if he could uh, if he could deceive Radagast? Um, I mean, if, if Radagast didn't notice, that's it's okay because you know, if Radagast noticed, what's the worst that happens? Right, you know, you 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 know. You bury Radagast in the backyard, I guess, if that deception doesn't work out. But um, um, I know, I know, that might not prove to be one of the lighter matters. But still, uh, you know, I'm thinking like Saruman here, it's a good test, 
right? It's a viable test. You know, he's not Gandalf, but um, but he's a you know a pretty good second best. You know, somebody to try to bring in and um, figure that out. So, uh, um, uh, yeah, no, we're we're told we're not told anything about his meeting with Radagast. JJ, I can't. I, it's hard for me to imagine. Saruman going out and meeting Radagast on the road. Besides which, why why wouldn't he, you know, bring him to Isengard and and uh, 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 yeah, again test out the test out the theory, right? He could meet him at the gate. I'm not saying it's impossible. Um, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying I don't. That might look suspicious, right? Oh, hi, Radagast. Thanks for coming. I know you never travel, and you've probably. It's quite possible you've never actually literally been to Isengard in your life, for all we know. But I'm not letting you in. I'm just going to meet you at the gate, give you a message, bye-bye now. That would be weird, right? I would think that that would... If I'm Saruman, I'm thinking there's a bigger chance that that tips him off than bringing him in. Besides which... um, Besides which, again, you get the chance to test out the camouflage, right? If you can fool Radagast, you can probably fool Gandalf. So, anyway. um, I... uh, that's why I would think he probably wouldn't uh, wouldn't do that, but um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, I know that Saruman does go out. It's not that he never leaves his door. He, you know, he has gone out to walk in the woods. I, 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 I see that, and it's again, it's possible. It's possible. So you know, I could sort of see choosing bef- between either one of those two options, right? Either Saruman going off to meet Radagast, not a Northunk. Because he's like, hey, you know, Radagast, I wanted to make you comfortable, right? I, you're, you like it out here in the woods, so, um, you know, uh, I just thought I'd meet you in the woods where you were more comfortable, and now could you go give a message to Gandalf? Like, sure. He, could he pull that off? I suspect he could pull that off. Or there's the, I'm going to experiment with my, um, you know, do you notice anything funny when you come to Orthanc thing? Personally, I would, um, um, I would, uh, favor the bringing him into Isengard plan, but, you know. Um, uh, as I say, I think in theory either one of them could work. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, he still goes out. I agree with you guys. He still goes out. It's not impossible. Not saying it's impossible at all. Um, just saying that uh, there's no real evidence either way, and I could see it going... I could definitely see it going either way. Um, now, anyway, okay. Um, somebody asked somebody asked the question I was attempting to skip but I shouldn't why does Saruman watch the stars I don't know why Saruman watches the stars it seems that there are two options here right option number one is that he is watching the stars for purely astronomical interest, right? That this is Saruman merely pursuing a little side branch of his, you know, wizardly inquiries. That's option number one. Um, And I agree, Emily, astronomy is one of the oldest sciences. There is, in that sense, no reason to think that he wouldn't pursue it. Uh, perfectly wholesome hobby uh, on Saruman's part. But the other um, uh, option would be that 
it's mm, more political, I guess, is one way to say it. Um, and now I don't mean in terms of astrology, right? Yeah, for Thoughtless, thanks for quoting that passage. It's the one I was just thinking of. Um, uh, for Thoughtless is recalling the passage about um, uh, the old men of Gondor who asked questions of the stars. Um, yes, and that's cited as an example of the decline, the sort of moral decline of Gondor, right? Um, old men asking questions of the stars, that's a bad look. It's a bad look. Um, so, um, it's a bad look for two reasons, I think. Reason number one is that it's, there's little reason to think that in Middle Earth, astrology works, right? Um, uh, is the future written in the stars? Varda puts some stuff up in the stars, right? This happens. But did she put that in the stars? I don't see any evidence that she did that, right? In other words, it seems to me that when we are told that some of these old uh, Gondorian folks were, um, uh, were uh, asking questions of the stars, they were falling into superstition. This was a decline. This was a decline of lore. This was a. This was even, in a sense, a moral decline. They were declining away from, you know, uh, like right and sensible and traditional beliefs in the Valar and in Iluvatar. Um, so um, that um, it's again, it seems to be a bad sign when the old Gondorians do that. Um, but. Um, yeah, good. Thank you, Trifle. Trifle gave the full quote here. Let's read the whole. Let me read the whole thing. Kings built tombs more splendid than the houses of the living, and counted the names of their descent dearer than the names of their sons. Childless lords sat in aged halls, musing on heraldry, or in high, cold towers, asking asked questions of the stars. And so the kingdom of Gondor sank into ruin. The line of kings failed. The white tree withered, and the rule of Gondor was given over to lesser men. Yeah. So you can see the context in which astrology is discussed there. And Trifle, I love the imagery there. High, cold towers. Right now, this is a high, cold tower. Right, Gandalf is cold. It's high. Um, uh, but um, but that sense of of removal from the world, of isolation, um, even of of frigidity, right? Um, this is not a profitable inquiry. This is not, you know, uh, understandable and laudable natural philosophy. Um, this is superstition. Uh, this is trying to, you know, wrest the future into their own hands, trying to figure out um, how they can job the system, right, by their own efforts and by their own learning. And uh, they uh, fail, uh, to do that. Um, so, anyway, um, so yeah, Sam, no, I agree with you. Sam says, uh, we don't see that Saruman is asking questions of the stars. I agree. I don't think Saruman is doing astrology. Uh, ruling that out is one of the things is why I brought it up. Um, I don't think he is doing astrology. Um, because again, the only time we hear astrology spoken of is in that context, that kind of a, an empty and barren 
superstition. Um, so I don't think, I don't think he's doing that at all. Um, which leaves two possible options. One, scientific inquiry, right? Just doing astronomy, trying to understand the motions of the heavens. Um, and the other is, I don't know how to say it. Scouting the opposition? That's not quite right. We know that Varda does... Um, uh, we know that Varda does um, put some messages in the stars, right? Um, but... Um, did she have others? I, like, so she put the sign... Like, the, the Big Dipper, right, is there in the north as a sign of Melkor's downfall we're kind of given the key to that one, right? Is he doing more? Is he trying to... I say scouting the opposition because he has, he has, and he knows he has, set himself up in opposition against the Valar, against the West, right? Is he looking for signs, right? Is he, che like, checking out for any kind of indicators? Because remember, there were indicators, right? With Numenor, for instance, right? They were, they were not in constellations, mind, but um, um, JJ says, have they noticed me yet? Yeah, exactly. That's the kind of thing that I'm, um, that I'm, that I'm thinking about. Um, so I, um, that's one possibility. That's, uh, and, and JJ, the reason I, I kind of come to that one myself is that I agree with you that sort of pure science, like, I just want to understand, you know, the motions of the heavens better, doesn't really seem to be Saruman's bag. He's more of an engineer and less of a pure observational scientist. Um, I agree. I agree. Um, uh, yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I mean, it's. Uh, that's why I, I, I just, I just wonder. That's all. I wonder if there was some kind of practical, um, outlook. Remember, here's another thing. Remember his line, the line Gandalf quotes, of course. Um, have I not earnestly studied these matters, to the rest of the council? Right about the ring rolling down the river to the sea. Have I not earnestly studied these matters? How? What are his research methodologies? Saruman's, that is, right? How is he? How is he? St I mean, okay, like visiting the Gondorian archives for sure, right? That's that was one research trip. Um, but there have been others too, right? Um, I don't know. I just I'm wondering if. Um, I'm wondering if Saruman himself, if this is part of it in some way. The stars are important in Middle-earth, right? The stars are important. They are associated with Elbereth, especially with Varda, um, and therefore with the Valar. They are signs of hope, and therefore, in, a, in being signs of hope, they are connected with, like, the big picture, right? Um, and... Um, 
and I wonder. I mean, it's it's you know. Do I think he could have? You know, the, you know, some people are just saying that this is his, um, you know, his thinking his thinking spot, right? Sure. What could be likelier, right? Um, but Gandalf mentions specifically the place where Saruman was accustomed to watch the stars. Uh, you know, uh, Gandalf at least seems to believe that Saruman routinely watched the stars from where he was. Was he looking for signs? Was this a, a way of him trying to parse out, you know, what the you know, thoughts and plans of the Valar are in some sense. I don't know. I don't know what he hoped to find. I don't know what he might or might not have found. Um, I'm not really... uh, I'm not really sure exactly. Um, uh, Yeah, Turambar, I'm not sure why Gandalf brings it up either, other than... I mean, one effect of bringing it up, of course, is to more uh, perfectly convey how exposed. this He's not just in a room on top of the tower looking out, right? He is literally exposed on the roof of the tower, um, exposed to the air, you know, because Saruman was accustomed to watch the stars there. I'm not saying that I think that Saruman's stargazing is incredibly significant. I don't. But again, when I ask myself the question, why does Saruman watch the stars? I'm not sure what the answer is. And pure science I share JJ's skepticism that that is Saruman's end it's possible I, I won't rule it out it's possible um, but um, uh, but anyway just wanted to think through possibilities anyway let's get back to the transformation of Isengard where it had once been green and fair it was now filled with pits and forges Wolves and orcs were housed in Isengard, for Saruman was mustering a great force on his own account in rivalry of Sauron and not in his service yet. Um, This, uh, having um, praised Peter Jackson's adaptation before, I'm now going to criticize it. Um, I hated the build me an army worthy of Mordor line in the film. I hated that. Um, I hated it because... It. I didn't like what it did to the Saruman-Sauron dynamic, right? Um, he was not... This was not Sauron's idea at all. He does not want Saruman having an army of himself. I mean, notice Gandalf's immediate conclusion. When he sees there are orcs and wolves, you might think, right, if you were Gandalf, maybe his first reaction upon seeing an army of orc orcs housed in Isengard, he would be saying, oh man, like, this is an army of Mordor. He's already working for Sauron. But that's not what he thinks, right? His first thought when he sees the orcs and wolves is, whoa, okay, Saruman is setting up for himself. He's trying to fight Sauron. His conclusion, Gandalf's conclusion on seeing the orcs of Saruman is that Saruman must still be an enemy of Sauron. And that, of course, fits with what we've heard. There is no glimmer of loyalty to Sauron in any of Saruman's words. There isn't the vaguest hint that he has, um, that he really, like, devout serves Sauron, that he believes in Sauron. He is playing his own game, clearly, from the beginning. You can see that all the way back to the 
power with a capital P in that first speech that we were talking about. Um, so, um, so yeah, that's, that's, um, uh, that's a really interesting thing that Gandalf sees this and he's not like, no, Mordor is already overtaken, you know, Saruman. It's a, it's, you know, he's, he's now just a Lieutenant of Sauron. He knows right away. He knows he listened to Saruman's speech too, right? He knows, uh, what Saruman is focused on, what Saruman is thinking and what Saruman is chiefly thinking is I'm going to try to become the power myself. Um, uh, and he, and that's exactly in rivalry of Sauron, and not in his service yet. Um, yes, Lupilia says even in the, even in the Return of the King, Gandalf says that Saruman will not serve uh, anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's. Um, I think I think he can diagnose this, not only from those kinds of tells right in his speech, but it's clear that Saruman, Saruman hasn't become a Sauron zealot. Right. He is he has become his his fall. It's in the same direction that Sauron fell. Right. He's becoming like Sauron, but he's not he's not become a fanboy of Sauron. He's not a true believer that Sauron is the way of the future. Um, And Gandalf can tell that right away. But oh, my goodness. Yes, that yet is really important. Right. Totally agree. Um. Uh, and it is interestingly prophetic, Michael, um, in rivalry of Sauron and not in his service yet. Um, and that yet is a complicated word in some ways, right? Um, it's complicated because it could mean several different things. Um, if Sauron wins, right? If Sauron wins and comes to his door, what's he going to do? It's clear what he would do. He would temporize, right? He would, he would, you know, swear vows of loyalty to Sauron if push came to shove, right? Um, if Sauron got the ring, of course, and therefore there was no chance that he was ever going to get it, he would know the odds, um, and he would have to, uh, and he would have to do it. And Aranas, I agree. There's a certain degree of plausible deniability that he has fairly cleverly maintained, right? Um, Again, Gandalf immediately sees through him. It is to be wondered whether Saruman does, or Sauron does yet or not. Probably he does. Sauron is very wise. But, um, but Saruman is still playing a double game. He's building a great force on his own account, yes, but he is, I mean, again, plausible deniability. If Sauron does march up to the gates of Isengard, he can say, oh, don't you like this nice army of orcs that I've built here, right, ready to your hand? Um, look, I've been, I've been attacking our foes from the west, and you're attacking from the east, and we're going to crush them between us, and wasn't that a good strategy? I thought you might like that, right? Took it on myself, had the idea, it was a good plan, right? I mean, it's, um, it's, it's very, um, plausible, right? It could fly. Again, has he deceived Sauron? I doubt it. He certainly, uh, hasn't, um, uh, hasn't deceived Gandalf. Um, 
Yeah, and Emily, exactly. It's not what Sauron would think that matters. It's what Saruman thinks Sauron would think that matters. Exactly. And does Saruman think highly enough of himself to believe that he has preserved in his own sense, from his own perspective, his own integrity still? Yes. That is to say, is he preserving his own agenda in a sense? Yeah. Yeah, I think he is. Um, I think that he does think that, in fact. Um, um, yeah, JJ says, it's a good thing those these guys lie in between us so we don't have to fight each other. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so, but again, Gandalf, not for a moment, right? And I doubt it's anything in particular about the orcs and wolves that he sees, which leads him to think, like, okay, so he's, um, uh, these are clearly, like, anti-Sauron orcs, right, that he has here. That's obvious, just from looking at them from a distance. Um, again, I don't think so, right? I think that it is, he's combining what he is now seeing, the fact of Saruman building this army, he's comparing that with what he has learned of Saruman, Right from their conversation, what he was able to see um, of Saruman's whole attitude, right of Sa- of Saruman's whole perspective, his self-serving, his desire to, um, his emphasis on power from the very beginning of his declamation, um, all the way down to his obvious plans to get the Ring of Power and therefore, uh, apparently, right to seize power for himself. Um, and I think, by the way, that that's why he uses the word rivalry. Um, rivalry suggests a, a sort of a personal uh, contest with Sauron, right? Um, he's not, he doesn't say, like, a great force on his own account at war with Sauron, you know, and not allied, allied to him yet, right? He doesn't say it that way. In speaking of rivalry and service... I think he's speaking about the one-on-one relationship between Saruman and Sauron, right? That's, and, and here, I think what he's doing is, is, again, sort of explicitly diagnosing Gandalf's own, or sorry, Saruman's own psychology here, right? He sees himself personally as a rival to Sauron. That was explicit, right, from his desire to obtain the Ring of Power and use it against Sauron. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Yes. Um, yeah, Trifle says the first option Saruman presents to Gandalf is a viable plan B for Saruman. Try to be treacherous advisor uh, to control Sauron. Yeah, agreed. Agreed, absolutely. That's obviously plan B. And he's got plan B in order. I mean, I, I said he has plausible deniability. It goes, um, it goes beyond merely plausible deniability. Right. I mean, it's uh, I, I, I think that, you know, the way that you were putting it there, uh, Trifle, is a better way to think about it. Right. This is this. It's not just deniability. It's plan B. Right. Um, it is a uh, it is a perfectly viable backup plan to put his armies of orcs at Sauron's disposal. And then obviously between the two of them, they'll mop up um, and uh, and then he can begin the next phase of plan B, which is uh, the deceptive counselor and trying to seize power for himself from within. Um, absolutely. Um, okay. Um, I don't know what to make of the pits. 
Why are there pits? Forges I get. Forges are practical. Why are there pits in Isengard? Never understood that. It's hard because, of course, it's hard not to imagine the pits as we see them in uh, the film. And even <clears throat> in Lotro, um, it's, uh, you know, there are similar kind of chasms in the valley there, um, which are kind of being used as mines, <laughs> pits to hide the bodies. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. Um Yeah, they could be practical, right? Um, like kilns or furnaces, Valori, sure, sure. Um, uh, nothing says evil like pits. Yeah, that's true. It's true. Um, extra space, right? Build down, not up, right? If he, if he fills Isengard full of high-rises, then, uh, I mean, you do have to house these orcs somewhere. Um, and just having them camp... I mean, you don't want them just camping around Isengard, because presumably you want a larger quantity of orcs than would comfortably fit uh, at ground level in Isengard. So I guess that makes sense. Um, would there be mining going on? Yeah, but I would think that would be happening in the mountains, not in the valley. Uh, but I mean, you know, there could be s something there. Um, and you're right, Flamifer, that the word pit is often used to mean mines in England. Um, so again, it is possible that he's mining there. Again, it, it seems that by itself seems to me just slightly odd. Because, again, why would you mine in the valley instead of the mountains which surround the valley? But, um, uh, but if you want to accommodate many troops. I mean, I was a little bit joking about building downwards instead of upwards, but maybe that's not a joke. Maybe that, maybe they are like the sort of the dens and burrows of the, of the orcs, right? The, and the idea, I do like it, um, symbolically as well. You know, the idea of the, uh, the maggot folk of Mordor, right, as they are sometimes called. Um, the idea of Saruman's orcs actually, you know, sort of burrowing into the earth and um, infesting Isengard like some kind of um, uh, some kind of insect plague. That's an attractive kind of symbolic view of, uh, you know, what is happening, even as a, a kind of, um, you know... Uh, Trying to decide if that would be synecdoche or metonymy, technically. Anyway, never mind. Um, anyway, symbolism, right, of uh, of Saruman himself, and you know, like the heart of Saruman. So I kind of like it in that regard as well. Um, Freebird, yeah, the, the the complete opposite of a hobbit hole, right? Um, yeah, Isengard, a regular warren by all accounts, right, as the gaffer might say. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and um, Alia Eru, I agree, Gandalf's perspective, you know, he doesn't specify their purpose beyond um, being, a, um, being a defacement of the land. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, that's certainly the primary thing, I think, that he is emphasizing there. So just the way that he can see from above. And even just like to... I'm sure there would be a whole bunch of just big open pits merely for waste disposal, right? There'd be slag heaps and stuff, uh, I'm sure, but um, they wouldn't care about being tidy or whatever. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah, and Tony, even to even to the point of actually malicious destruction. Sure, sure, absolutely. Um, um, yeah, Angrist. Yes, I agree. Building up requires resources. Think of all the lumber you've got to gather in order to, even if you're building with brick, you still need lumber, right, for the framing and stuff. So, um, you know, all the lumber you would have to, 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 to get in order to build up buildings, which lumber you could use for other purposes, like feeding the fires of Orthanc, right, for the, uh, for the forges. Um, so I agree. Uh, if you are in a real hurry to build and house you know, to build barracks for a very large army, um, especially one that you want to be able to, you know, keep undercover. Again, Gandalf might have arrived during the day. So, um, you know, orc high rises off on either side of the path would um, uh, would be... Yeah, exactly. Sorry, your name is Neuendorp. Yeah, absolutely. It's certainly more inconspicuous to build down in that way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree. Um, so, um... Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, good, good. Okay. Um, uh, you would get a hotter fire with coal. Again, yeah, don't want to rule out the mining. Mining is certainly a possibility. Mining, I, I can't rule that out at all. Um, it is very possible that he found coal or something and, and, uh, and is mining for it there as well. Um, certainly the dark smoke suggests to me coal fires. Um, that seems to me very possible. Um, so yeah, yeah. Trifle was just saying it's, it seems pretty clear that he's using charcoal. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. That seems very likely. Um, especially given that, uh, he seems to have, um, gunpowder. And so, uh, some, uh, charcoal would seem useful if you're making gunpowder. Um, uh, and Musico, I agree, a lot of the forest stripping was wanton. Um, they do refer explicitly to the fires of Orthanc, so there is clearly much wood burning going on, but that they seem to be burning coal uh, seems to be, uh, seems to happen, uh, that seems likely. Again, the, the darkness of the smoke is what makes me suspect that there are, in fact, coal-burning stoves, uh, forges there uh, in Isengard. Um, Especially also the way that the smoke hangs and wraps itself about the sides of Orthunk. Um, that sounds very, uh, very 19th century London to me uh, there. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I also love the way, just the pure imagery of there. Smoke by itself is not an evil thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing or a bad sign. Of course, in the context of the Lord of the Rings, it's often a very good thing, right? Um, uh, so we, we like smoke uh, in the Lord of the Rings, um, uh, most of us. Um, but the dark smoke hanging and wrapping itself about the sides of Orthanc gives the, you know, the, both the darkness of it, the clinginess of it, um, and, uh, the way that it seems to kind of gather, uh, around Orthanc makes it seem extra ominous and something which Gandalf seems to, to really be associating with, uh, um, the, 
it's really almost like an externalization of Saruman's internal state there. Um, uh, yes, Fourth Dauntless, of course, you're right. Gandalf himself is associated with fires and smokes, so his emphasis on this is quite striking. Absolutely. Again, smokes are not by... Gandalf does smoke, right? Not only does pipe smoking, right? But his own magic is... is, is uh, smoke is one of the... You know, smokes and lights um, is the phrase used about Gandalf's magic. Um, I think it's fairly clear that a lot of the effects of Gandalf's fireworks were done with smoke. Um, given the emphasis on smokes and lights. So, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, um, yeah, Bricktail says Saruman is moving in on Gandalf's turf, right? What, Saruman, are you making fireworks and, uh, you know, uh, uh, involving yourself in every business, whether it belongs to you or not? Absolutely. All of this, uh, all of this turf trespassing that's going on here. Um, good. Okay. And uh, Gandalf's image of standing alone on an island in the clouds. Um, Gandalf's own isolation and the way in which Isengard itself... Isengard has fallen, uh, you know, sort of morally speaking, right? But... Um, Saruman himself, every, you know, Gandalf is, is isolated. He's separated by a long stretch, you know, a, a, a stair of many thousand steps um, between him and anything else, right? Um, and there he is alone, above the smoke, above the darkness. And I really like the way in which this serves as a, a kind of um, inversion of... Um, of Sauron's cloud cover, right? His volcanic cloud cover. Um, Sauron seeks to cover the whole world in a second darkness. Sauron um, covers the entire sky, you know, and eats up the sun uh, as he's um, as he's you know preparing to advance his armies. And there's clearly a lot of practical use um, uh, in that practical use in the sense of making the war effort a heck of a lot easier on his orcs. Saruman is also has a dark cloud cover, but the cloud is only covering him and his army, right? It is, on the one hand now, of course, strategically speaking, Saruman is in a different mode than Sauron is at the time of the Dawnless Day, right? He's not yet going into offensive mode. Yeah, Gandalf now knows the truth and the cat's out of the bag, but, um, but you know, everybody doesn't, right? There's um, uh, nobody else. Nobody else knows, right? As long as he keeps Gandalf up on the roof, nobody else knows um, that he's betrayed them. So he's still in concealment mode, right? Um, but um, um, exactly, Aranas, Rohan does not know yet. Um, so... I'm not saying that uh, it doesn't serve his purposes. It does. But, like, symbolically, there's Saruman enshrouded. He himself is enshrouded. He's encased. He can't see anything, right? Saruman has blinded himself. Now, he can see with his Palantir, right? So what does he need to actually look out and look up at the stars for anymore? He can't see the stars anymore. He doesn't go up to see the stars anymore. Um, that glimpse of the stars that Sam gets, Saruman has cut himself off from the stars. 
Um, and that, it seems to me, actually, is a pretty good reason for mentioning looking at the stars all by itself here, actually, uh, to set up this final image of Saruman, of Gandalf, sorry, alone on an island in the clouds. Gandalf alone above the darkness, above the deception, above this turmoil which is seeking in this as yet small scale and kind of pitiful in its own way, fashion, right, um, of kind of entombing himself in his own pretensions, right, as Saruman is doing. Gandalf is above that, and he's able to see. He can't see what to do yet, right? Um, exactly, Tony. The Palantir is twisted by Saruman, so if he thinks that he is able still to... He doesn't need to see out, because he can see out through the Palantir. He's deceiving himself there as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he's no longer looking for messages from Varda. Uh, and Aranas, if he was looking for warnings or signs that they might be on to him, he's, uh, he's past that now, I think. Um, so, the Palantir... I, uh, we don't know exactly how useful the Palantir is to Saruman. I suspect that he, we know that the Palantir automatically, you know, like its default home screen, right, is, is Mordor. Um, when Pippin wakes up and looks into it, he is looking at Sauron, right? Um, who speaks as if he assumes that Saruman is coming there. Um, but, um, so, yeah. But does that mean that Saruman can never see anything else? That Saruman basically, he's tr transformed the Palantir just into a permanent, you know, two-way communicator between I, between Orthanc uh, and Barad-dûr? I kind of... I, yeah, I mean, it's true, Fourth Dauntless, that Aragorn has to wrench the Palantir away, um, and it takes all of his strength to do it, but... But... but um, my question is whether or not Sauron would permit Saruman to use it for other purposes. Um, I don't doubt he'd have to ask permission, essentially. Um, what... Aragorn does, to wrench it to his own will against Sauron's will, does seem to be beyond Saruman. But I don't think that that means that Sauron is going to let, is never going to let Saruman use it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, Tony, exactly. Tony is saying that Sauron would, would mess with Saruman the same way he did with Denethor. Yeah, I'd rather think so. Not exactly the same way, because the relationship isn't the same, and we'll see when we get there. You know, very soon. But, um... So I don't want to get too far into the, into that contrast, but, but I do agree with you. Do I think that Saruman would... that Sauron, rather, would believe himself well-served by allowing Saruman to look through, um... look through the Palantir and manipulating what he sees, you know, and Sauron manipulating what he sees, I bet you Saruman could be convinced that he himself was still the master of the Palantir, and that Saruman could use this to, 
uh, to further deceive and, and ensnare him? Yeah, I believe that Saruman would do that. And not, again, merely just turn it into a walkie-talkie uh, to, uh, to, to, um, to Barad-dur. Now, uh, you guys were asking about somebody, Kit, maybe, um, was asking um, uh, ab- about um, the directional thing, about how the Palantiri work. Um, I, yeah, so that's in the, of course, in the essay on the Palantiri in, uh, uh, in Unfinished Tales. I don't think I believe in that. Um, but let me just say, let me just say, generally, um, at the, let me take refuge in the fact, talking about that much later, right? So that's certainly not the idea that he had when he wrote this stuff. Um, it is written later, and I do not think it in the top tier of retcon that Tolkien wrote that fits well with his text. It's not at the bottom of the list either, but it's very far from the top of the list, I think. Um, um, uh, Sam, no, we do, uh, we do suspect that Feanor wrote them. Gandalf says so in the text. Um, uh, that he thinks that Feanor might have made them. So, uh, so yeah, no, that's in the Lord of the Rings itself. So that's, that's fair game. Again, I, you know, some of you might say, I'm pretty inconsistent, and when it's convenient for me, I say, let's not think about the later stuff, and when it's convenient for me, I say, but if we consider the later stuff, so sue me. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, um, uh, to some extent, to some extent. Um, but, um, (laughs) that's, 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 uh, um, that's the way I'm going to roll for right now. Now, There are some, there are some consistent trends that we can, that we can use here. Uh, but, um, uh, but no, I just, I I just, I don't, um, uh, as I say, I'm not a, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. Um, but, um, anyway, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you, Trifle. My class, my rules. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's it. That's it. Um, yeah. And, and Tony, I agree. There's a reason those tales are unfinished. Um, I don't think, I mean, I think it's, it's always worthwhile thinking about the other things that he wrote in other places. But, you know, um, yeah. I mean, Christopher is publishing unpublished things and I've said before um, I know that um, uh, I like all of you like to think that you know when Christopher died and saw his father again, <laughs> if there was a reunion, right, between uh, J.R.R. Tolkien and his son, uh, that, you know, Christopher's lifelong dedication to Tolkien's literary legacy would have been, you know, warmly greeted and appreciated by his father. I am sure 
that is true. But I gotta think that J.R.R. Tolkien would have had a few things to say. But, like, I can't believe you actually published that stuff, right? Like, I think I should have burned some of those things if I would have burned them if I'd known that you would actually put those out there. Um, yeah, exactly, Sam. He would have edited those about 150 times more before he thought about publishing them. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's, that's, I, I'm just. Do I think there might have been an edge of that, you know, in the in the conversation? Yeah, you know, I I, I kind of do. I kind of do think that. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> yes. Um, what about goblin feet? Well, see. Uh, First of all, what's wrong with Goblin Feet? I love Goblin Feet. Uh, uh, are you saying, like, Tolkien himself published that and has nobody but himself to blame? I know, but that's the point, right? I mean, he would be like, you know, <laughs> didn't we learn nothing from publishing Goblin Feet? Like, I, I swore it would never happen again. And then you not only, you know, like, uh, made sure Goblin Feet was never forgotten, you uh, you went and published You and Me in the Cottage of Lost Play? Son! <laughs> Seriously! <laughs> anyway, right. Um... Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm just kidding. Um, but, uh, but like I said, I, I don't, I, obviously not trying to posthumously rag on Christopher. I'm just saying, knowing J.R.R. Tolkien's perfectionism, it is hard for me to imagine a living J.R.R. Tolkien <laughs> consenting to the publication, even of Unfinished Tales, much less the Book of Lost Tales and some of the earlier stuff. But anyway, this is a side note. Okay. Back to Orthanc, and that wonderful visual image, which just feels to me so richly symbolic, you know, everything else aside, uh, of Gandalf standing alone on, on an island in the clouds. Um, and, of course, he has no chance of escape, and my days were bitter. My days were bitter. Um, uh, I was pierced with cold and I had but little room in which to pace to and fro, brooding on the coming of the riders to the north. I love the, um, the double sense of the word bitter, right? His days are bitter with cold. I mean, it's really, it's freezing on top of that tower. Um, and he's got, you know, no shelter, and he's, uh, uh, you know, and he's exposed to the elements. <clears throat> That's torturous in itself. Um... So, bitter in one sort of immediate sense, in the sense of bitter cold, um, but bitter also in the sort of emotional sense, too. Now, I agree, um, uh, Fourth Dauntless is saying it sounds a lot like Gandalf succumbs to despair. Um, not exactly. I don't think despair. Bitterness is not despair. He's, um, he's angry, right? He's, he's, he's angry. Um, he's bitter against Saruman. I think he's bitter against himself. What I hear in, I had no chance of escape and my days were bitter, is not despair, but self-recrimination. I think that Gandalf is kicking himself here, kicking himself for coming in the first place, 
kicking himself for not seeing this sooner. How many people who have been betrayed and stabbed in the back don't feel that way, right? Um, I mean, obviously you are angry at being betrayed. You're angry at your betrayer. But doesn't everybody who's ever been in that situation have that self-recrimination as well? Like, I should have known. Like, I was foolish ever to trust them. I should have known, right? Um, I should never have come. Um, you know, and now, and and he's brooding on the coming of the riders to the north. Um, the one fact which I think, unfortunately, Peter Jackson's adaptation makes, in my viewing, comically um, obvious is that it was it was it, it was a bad call, right? I mean, the, I I mean the Gandalf leaving Frodo and Sam scene in the film, right? Um, I have to admit, I think that was the first place when I watched the Fellowship of the Ring in the theater, lo, these many years ago. I think that was the first place I laughed out loud. There were several. Uh, not all derisively. I'm not trying to say I was laughing derisively. There are many places I laughed out loud for pure delight. But I think that was the first place that an adaptation choice they made made me laugh out loud. And that was the extreme compression, right, of having Gandalf... I mean, and I get compression. Like, I understand that it's a necessity when you're doing that kind of adaptation. But, but still, the way that it came off, right? You know that he just finishes saying to Frodo, the Nazgul are on their way. They could be here any moment. You know, be careful, keep it safe, and keep it secret. Now, I'm going to go off and leave you by yourself, and I'm going to, because I think that Saruman might know what to do. I have no reason to think that, other than that I think Saruman is awesome, and so obviously the wisest plan is to leave you while I take the only horse and go. I mean, it's just the illogic... Um, uh, the logic of that scene always struck me as very funny from the very first time I, I, I saw it. In the books, it's nothing like, as we've discussed, so illogical um, as that. But, um, <laughs> but now, Book Gandalf is definitely saying to himself, I mean, how many times is he saying to himself, why did I come? Why did I... When I heard that the Nazgul were coming, why did I not immediately run back to warn Frodo and take him to Rivendell as fast as I possibly could, right? In retrospect, that is obviously the best possible move. Um, and, um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, um, Would they have left Gandalf his staff? Yeah, sure. Why not? Um, why not? Um, wizards' staffs. It's complicated. Um... Uh, I don't want to get into this now. We'll have this discussion later on. Let me just say, it's complicated. I don't think Saruman would have felt he was in any danger from the staff. I think he could have left Gandalf his staff in order to taunt him. It's not even obvious to me that the staff of the wizard is in fact a very 
very clearly a necessary tool for magic. But um, I know that in Rohan, they appear to be under that impression, but they are under many impressions in Rohan. Uh, look at their lore about Lothlorien, for instance. Um, so I just because both Hama and Grima are under the impression that Gandalf is using his staff to perform magic doesn't convince me that that's necessarily true. I'm not saying it might not be true. I'm just saying it doesn't convince me. Um, but um, uh, anyway, yeah. Um, so I, I, we'll have that discussion later. This is not the moment for that discussion. What I will say, um, I, I, Gil, Gilgalady, um, if staffs don't do anything, why break Saruman's? Uh, the symbolism. Your staff is broken. This is an important moment, right? And it, it's effective, right? It's effective because he, uh, it's, it is the outward manifestation of what is happening, and it demonstrates very clearly to everybody what just took. It's like that, he is like defrocked from that moment, right? But that, I think, is more like what happened there, the defrocking. Um, but, um, yeah, Arnaz says, I'll need your gun and badge. Yeah, kind of like that, kind of like that. Um, um, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, good. Um, so I, I definitely, <clears throat> I am more in the, the staff is a, a more symbolic, more like a badge of office. Um, but I will admit it's complicated and there are definite reasons to think otherwise. There are definitely are reasons to think otherwise, that there is in fact some kind of power involved in the staffs. Um, what I will say um, is that um, I think it is interesting and significant that it's not even mentioned here, right? I mean, a couple of you are wondering about um, a couple of you are wondering about his staff and everything. No, it doesn't even say anything about his staff, right? That he had, I mean, logically, he must have still had his staff since he apparently still has it afterwards, right? I mean, if they put it in lockup, you know, and he gets taken off uh, by Gwaihir the Windlord, he would not have his staff anymore somehow. So, um, um, but um, uh, anyway, there's, um, uh, yeah, I don't think good. Yeah, Trifle points out, what about Glamdring, right? Um, at the very... Even if the staff is purely symbolic, the uh, the elvish sword is certainly not purely symbolic, and yet Gandalf still has Glamdring. Um, it's um, it's pretty clear. It's pretty clear that um, Gand that Gandalf is not he's not disarmed when he's put in prison. Um, that I mean, he still has he still has Glamdring. Um, Emily says, who is he going to use a sword on at the top of Orthanc? Uh, yeah. Who's he going to use a staff on at the top of Orthanc? At the center of Saruman's, uh, uh, you know, uh, area of power. I mean, what's he going to do? I think that, remember the very last note of Saruman's interaction with Gandalf is ridicule, laughter, right? He laughs at him. When Gandalf boasts that finding a, you know, a fitting end for Gandalf the Grey um, 
won't put won't be one of the lighter won't prove to be one of the lighter matters. Saruman laughs at him, um, and it seems to fit there to say, "Oh yeah, you you, you think, right? You think you're a big deal? Uh, tell you what, I, I think you're so not a big deal. I'm gonna keep your staff, keep your elvish sword, right? Uh, go ahead, right? We'll see." Uh, when the time comes for us to find a fitting end for you, uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that works. Um, yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Freebird, Freebird. I think exactly that's what it is. That it speaks to Saruman's confidence uh, in uh, uh, in his prison. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yep, yep. Um, <laughs> right. Fermius Bujim adds, feel free to walk around as much as you like up there, right? Yeah, we'll give you the run of the place. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, now... Um, the ring. Gandalf's ring. Um... Gandalf's ring is an awkwardness. It's an awkwardness because I think it's pretty clear that Gandalf's, that the Ring of Fire, Gandalf's ownership of the Ring of Fire hadn't been invented yet. Um, that when Tolkien wrote this passage, Gandalf didn't have a Ring of Power. Um, I think that's pretty clear. Um, that doesn't mean that this passage is inconsistent with Gandalf having a Ring of Power. Um, because the, um, uh, because the, one of the powers of the Elvish rings, we will be told in the case of Nenya is concealing itself. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's, that's the only way that I think that we can understand it, that, the ring of fire um, conceals it's like Saruman doesn't know that he has it um, so um, yeah yeah Finn you're right Galadriel says they can't see by others that don't have a ring of power um, yes Saruman does have a ring of power uh, is Gandalf's ring of power stronger than his ring of power you know I don't know um, but um but anyway, yeah, I, I, I do think that uh, that's um, the logical answer based on what we know, right? And based on the way that it kind of gets contextualized after the fact. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think it necessarily... What, Michael, Tobias, it doesn't prove that Saruman's ring of power is inert, just that it does not overcome Gandalf's, you know, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't, uh, it's not, it, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't win, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so I would think that Gandalf would be wanting him not to know about it. He'd be wanting, uh, wanting pretty hard, uh, to, for Saruman not to know that it's there. Um, anyway, I think that's... Th- in the end, I think that's the only explanation that fits the facts, essentially. Um, 
And yeah, I agree, Turambar. It, it is another sign that Saruman could be greatly overestimating himself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yep. Now, um, uh, let's see. Better <laughs> better Butter Bottoms says, uh, was Saruman trying to break Gandalf's mind and will? Uh, no, no, he wasn't. He was trying to uh, recruit him to get him to see wisdom. Um, I don't think he wants to fight Gandalf if he doesn't have to, as evidenced by the fact that he's going to imprison him until he sees sense, until he tells, until he reveals where the one can be found. He plans to bring Gandalf around, um, not necessarily by winsomeness and persuasion, um, but um, uh, but he's not um, um, he's not gonna he's not gonna he's not gonna try to do it. Why wouldn't he? I I believe that by the end of their conversation, Saruman is convinced that Gandalf does not have the ring. Um, what does Gandalf know? What could he reveal? If Gandalf doesn't have it, it's probably in the Shire, right? It's got to be in the Shire. Where else would it be? Um, why are the Nazgul searching for the Shire? Why, you know, uh, has Gandalf made that his lurking place? Um, I don't think he necessarily is looking for a lot of information out of Gandalf, and I don't think it's going to be easy to get. For all of his big words, I don't think that... I think that he and Gandalf are, are peers. Um, it's not going to be easy. Um, Saruman is going to... It would have been worth the fight, right? He was ready, I think, for a fight to the death over the Ring of Power. Gandalf doesn't have the Ring of Power, and it's tolerably obvious where he's hidden it. Um, why, why do that, right? Why go through that? Just lock him up. Um, yeah, it would take a lot of oomph completely to subdue Gandalf to his will. I'm not even sure he could do it. Um, I'm really not sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, was there ever any indication that Saruman sent agents to the Shire, Tiber is asking? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We know that Lotho has been in touch with Saruman's people. And the squint-eyed southerner uh, in Bree, Quint, uh, was... Uh, that's not his name in the books, just for the record. Um, that's the name in the theoretical miniseries that my discussion group and I at... Uh, SoCalMoot last year planned uh, for leading up to the, to the uh, of uh, what happens in the Shire after the Hobbits leave. Um, we named him Quint. But anyway, or Quinn. Quinn, that's right. Quinn. Quinn. We named him Quinn. This Quintide Southerner. Um, wasn't that fun, Boeing Spawn? Uh, but anyway, um, so yeah, uh, this, this, this Quintide Southerner, almost certainly a spy of Saruman's. So we know Saruman already has things working there. Lotho uh, right, is his primary um, entree into... Oh, sorry, music guy, I forgot that you were... Uh, uh, th that's right. You guys were there, too. Of course. Um, uh, anyway, um, 
so um, uh, so yep, absolutely. We know that he has made inroads into the Shire. So, so what's he thinking? What's Saruman thinking right now? Why, why, why go to all the effort? It's not certain he could do it, right? He could very well fail, or it could at least take him a very long time to compel, to break Gandalf's will. And why, why do it? Um, why do it? Um, so, um, yeah, yeah. Um, and of course, yes, right, Angrist and Tiber, there's also the fox. So, um, so yeah, all kinds of agents. <laughs> no, I believe in the thinking fox. I, I don't think the thinking fox was in the, uh, was one of the spies of the enemy that Gandalf was worried about. I think that the thinking fox was clearly one of the free foxes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, thinking, fo- thinking fox is no fishmonger. I agree. Sorry, inside joke uh, from my Lotro streams. Anyway, um, okay. Uh, I had but little room in which to pace to and fro, brooding on the coming of the riders to the north. Um, and truly how frustrating for Gandalf to be imagining the, uh, that while he is trapped there and can do nothing. And this is clearly the torture that Saruman has in mind for him, right? Um, Saruman knows that he is already torturing Gandalf by locking him up where he can see but can't see. But can't see what he wants to see. Or where he can see far, but he can't see far enough. Where he can stare off towards the north but not see what's going on. Um, where he is free but not free. Uh, where he is, um, you know, free but restricted in his little tiny space, um, where he um, is just free to contemplate what must be happening uh, in the north where all of his friends are. Um, so, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, cool. Um, so, um, yeah, yeah, Saruman put Gandalf in timeout, Frumius Bujum. It was a very cruel timeout, though. That's exactly, that's exactly what he did. Uh, told him to go and think about his choices for a while. And that's precisely what Gandalf does. He goes into timeout and he thinks hard about his choices and it makes him bitter. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um... That is interesting. Yeah, Trifle thinks about this as uh, potentially an interesting addition to Saruman's arguments. Um, you need power, right? He's like, look, you can't do anything without the power, and he's taken away Gandalf's power to act, showing him why the ring is a good idea. Oh, yeah, you, you, you think I'm wrong, right? You think we should stand against Sauron with our own power without getting extra... Well, okay, you, go, go ahead. Go ahead, show me, right? You've got your staff, you've got your sword, right? Uh, I'm not you know, tying you up or whatever, right? Get, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, you, uh, tell you what, you go upstairs and you, you fight the enemy, right? And, uh, I'll be down here developing my power and, uh, and we'll see, we'll see who wins. Gandalf, right? Yeah. I mean, there is uh, an interesting kind of angle to that trifle. I like that. Um, yeah. Um, and I wonder... Yeah, Tony, that's the next thing I was thinking, too. Tony says, Does Saruman think that the threat of the riders might make Gandalf compromise? Um, Turning Gandalf over to the Nazgul to take back to Sauron. 
um, this is another reason why he uh, uh, Gandalf's valuable to Saruman as a not a bargaining chip necessarily exactly, but uh, um, as a as a prize, right? As a prize to send to to Sauron. That's um, that's very useful. Um, so again, why should he? Why should he do the dirty work? Is Gandalf's will going to get broken? Yeah. In Barad-dûr. I'll leave that to Sauron. And by doing so, what's he doing? Harnessing the power. Putting the power to work for his own ends. I'm going to... See, look. Notice how I've got Sauron wrapped around my little finger. I've got Gandalf. I want to take, take him out. Right? I want to take him out and I want to punish him for, uh, uh, for what he's done. Yeah. I will exploit the natural resource that is Sauron in order to make that happen. Uh, proving that I am really in control, like I want to believe uh, that I am. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think that that's an important angle, too. It's also um, a good way for him to kind of uh, flex to the Nazgul as well, right? Yeah, look what I got on the roof, right? Um, caught him my own self, right? Yeah. Um and yeah, Freebird, exactly. Given the extent to which Gandalf's activities are associated with uh, moving about, uh, you know, uh, at a great rate and meddling in, in other people's business, um, he can neither move nor meddle where he is. So it's a particularly apt punishment for Gandalf, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And good, Tony, I agree. He might also get Gandalf to bargain for the safety of Frodo and the hobbits. It would be the safest way to get Gandalf to cooperate. The simplest way to get Gandalf to cooperate. Right? I mean, again, breaking Gandalf's spirit, that's going to that's gonna be a job of work. And it might not even work. It might not even pay off. Um, but, you know, um, when Gandalf himself can see the Nazgul there in the valley beneath him, looking up at him with their, you know, invisible eyes, you know, sniffing for him with their invisible noses. Um, he uh, and Saruman can come upstairs and say, <clears throat> last chance, last chance. Um, are you going to work with me or am I going to go down there and give them directions to the South Farthing, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yep, yep. So anyway, good, good. Um, interesting. Arden Cran says, if Saruman told Gandalf that the Nine had seized the ring and were headed back to Mordor, would Gandalf have agreed to help Saruman stop them? Maybe. Maybe. Plan B, right? Okay, uh, you won't help me. Gandalf. How about now? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe he wants to keep Gandalf still as a potential ally. Or again, why, um, why wreck Gandalf? Right? Why break his will? Why subjugate him, even if that is possible? When he could, um, uh, when he could harness him. Right? Again, harness Gandalf's power as a natural resource as well. Um, He's going to need allies 
even to fight the Nazgul, um, if he's going to end up trying to fight the Nazgul. So why close out options for himself? So anyway, I think that there, we can see several different ways. Now, all of this requires a slightly Bond villain-esque level of arrogance on Saruman's part. But I think that Saruman is more than wizard enough for that job, right? Um, I think that there are not very many Bond villains who um, surpass Saruman of many colors in narcissistic arrogance, right? So, you know, um, yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Good, good. Um, excellent. Okay. All right. I think we're gonna, we're gonna stop there. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, uh, we're not gonna, we're not gonna rashly do another paragraph, uh, tonight. That would be, that would be crazy. Um, so, um, uh, we're gonna we're gonna end there. Besides, we got plenty of work to do in the field trip. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do our field trip tonight. So we're gonna do we're gonna continue our uh, our tradition of field trips in uh, in the Lord of the Rings Online video game. Um, we're gonna go back to this to this new area that I've never seen before. We're going back to uh, the Vales of Anduin, and I'm gonna see if I can get to the Gladden Fields today. Um, my goal is to do a little exploration and see if we can find where the ring was hidden. I want to find where the ring was hidden. I want to look for it. Anyway, that's what I'm going to the Gladden Fields for. So um, uh, you're welcome to join me. In fact, if you are in the game on the Landreval server and have a level cap character you're encouraged to join as my wussy character is going to need every possible protection he can get uh, in order for him to get through. So um, so that's where we're going. So those of you who are on Twitter, uh, feel free to join us. I'm going to shut down the Twitter feed now because uh, you not, I can't share my computer screen on my phone. Um, uh, but I'm going to shut this down. Feel free to join us at twitch.tv slash signumu uh, to join us on the field trip. Thanks, everybody. Good evening. Good evening. Valori, how are you? Doing good. Good to be back. Yeah, I bet. I bet you're feeling better? Yeah, feeling better. I'm just hoping the internet holds up. The wind is crazy. Oh, man. Yeah, I had actually a power outage today and yesterday. Yeah, I've been having all kinds of troubles. I'm just glad the power isn't cutting out. So far, so good. (laughs) from your lips to God's ears. Yeah, All right, yeah. so we got... Um, my, my last milestone was at uh, Vekbar. Oh, is that where we got... In, we got, uh, we got uh, t- ambushed by invisible guards? Uh, that, uh, that was the next village afterwards. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, all right, so I'm going to... I'm gonna We're going to go back to Holt Vis first. Um, and I need to... I need to ride there, so I need to... I need to get out to the Stable Master. Sure. So I'm going to take off... Um, because I can't, I can't uh, milestone there because I'm too wimpy. Um, so <laughs> I'm gonna like you see that tiny little bit of yellow um, on the left-hand side of my XP bar down there. Well, I can't, but no. Oh, right, okay, okay. <laughs> that's literally all of the XP that Narnian has ever earned in his entire. Wow. That's about two millimeters yes. of XP. Um, wow. That's it. That's you it. Get more just from existing. No, no, yeah, I was like, I got that from like fellowing up with, um, 
Oh, hang on. I'm doing the same. And you need to do some harvest math stuff. Yeah. That, Maybe. That is I don't an know. XP booster, second, no to... mistake. Right. We need to hang on. I'm trying to. Right. There we go. Okay. I got my horse working now. All right. Convincing my mouse to pick up. So, heading back to Southbree so that I can uh, get the stable master there. Your horse having trouble turning over this evening. Yeah, um, my horse is having has some steering problems. You know. Yeah, you want to take her in. Little problems lead to big problems. I know. I know. But you know. Uh, Goodness knows that's true. I but, transmission. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, no, don't worry, JJ. We'll definitely go up the Chieftain's Hill. I didn't realize there was uh, there was more up the hill. So we'll start there. We'll start Ooh. by the Chieftain's Hill uh, and look at his excellent statue collection. Uh, at the very least, I need to see all of, you know, Holtvis there so that I can have, you know, Holtvis as a kind of baseline uh, for when... Um, uh, when we see other settlements there. Yep, absolutely. Okay, let's see. Where are we down to? There it is. Hold this. Okay. Hold Very good. All right. Hello. Start fellowing up. All right, yep. And here I am, back in the land of red quest text, where I get all these grim warnings about how I shouldn't be here. Okay, so we decided last week, Valori, that mm -hmm. uh, these little hutments here in the middle of town, um, mm -hmm. the ones with no doors and the 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 little you know ice cream cone. Um, you know, chimney pieces up at the top, right? Mm -hmm. We decided that these were historical pieces. This was oh, yeah. probably like what the ancients, the ancient folks in this place lived in. And these two have been preserved for historical preservation purposes. That's why they're like on the town green. Notice not only do they not have doors, there aren't like any paths to them or anything. Like they're not in use mm -hmm. at all, apparently. But the whole town has been kind of built around them as a kind of mo memorial. And all of the other the, all the other buildings are very much more modern in their construction than this. So I think it's a deliberate commemoration of, you know, the way that the ancients were, uh, you know, were living back in the day. Mm. So that was, that was my big conclusion from uh, exploring the, uh, you know, the downstairs portion of the town. But um, Okay, okay. We'll head up and see the, especially given like the sophistication of their armor, right? Mm -hmm. It's, uh, you know, this yeah, is. Yeah, it's definitely one of those. Well, the other thing is, this looks like something that people were using as animal pens well into the 19th century. Very likely. Very likely. Because, yeah, when I talk about preservation, I don't mean in the modern, like, don't touch children kind of sense. You know, like, uh, we're going to rope this off to prevent anyone from ever coming into contact with it. Um, no one must disturb Puba's old. Right, exactly. I mean, I, that they could have been used as animal pens while still being essentially, you know, preserved for historical purposes. Um, seems, seems to me entirely likely. Um, okay, all right, so let's head uphill. Um, where are we going? I think I didn't go far enough up, I guess. 
I thought I thought that was the way that I went, and it led to a dead end into the like fields. But maybe I turned back too soon. Oh, oh, man, maybe that's the way the that I went up there. <laughs> oh man, I can't wait to do a careful expire bite. I had one trick, quick trip through the um, through the Woes's land. Okay, nothing too special about oh, these yeah, houses. More of what we've seen, and I'm now, looking. Is that, is that a soft roof or is that just mossy? See, I was trying to decide this last time because on the one hand, a lot of these roofs they all look like that. And a lot of these roofs just look to me too steep to be sod roofs. I think it's moss. Um, yeah, there's there's not a lot of light over here. Yeah, yeah, I think it's moss, and especially if we look closely, it looks almost like you can see the texture of like wood or shingling underneath it. Yeah, it's very shaggy. Yeah, I think it's and it and it goes over the wooden posts. That's the telling bit. Yes, exactly. I mean, it's clearly overgrowing. Um, what are obviously wooden structures, um, and here it yeah. looks more like uh, it looks more like lichen um, than moss, even exactly. But um, um, lichen this house too. Yeah, that's that's right. And of course, I was pointing out the the glazing right in the windows. Like no, oh, no village that has glass in the windows is going to live in little, you know, hutments like are down in the village there. But okay. Here we have these three villages, and I agree, JJ, it would be really fun to have a chess set based on these uh, figures. Um, now, this, these Very other two are the ones we've seen. Here's the one. He's got his little boomerang or whatever it is he's holding. Um, or maybe it's his suspenders. You know, I, I don't know that what he's holding. A pointed stick. I can't rule it out. Um, Horn. It's a horn. This a horn? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Like a drinking horn? Maybe. Does he have something in his left hand over here? Uh. Kind of looks like something. Maybe it's just his sleeve. Look. I don't know. Maybe. Um, Maybe one's on his sword, one's on a horn. Like he could greet you either as a friend. Oh, so like it's a, a it's it's the pommel of his of his sword. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, maybe. This third one, the tall one, though. That one's interesting. Does it have a? No, it doesn't have a face on the back. It's got carvings on the back. Oh, maybe some histories in the back. Whereas, yeah, see, both of the other two have got the back faces. But this does not have back faces. Celtic, augish looking stuff. Yeah, yeah. You can see the back of his helmet at the top. You can Mm -hmm. see, you've got the swirly figure, which I was looking to see if we saw anywhere else. I didn't see it in any of the stonework. Um, And uh, uh, and then we've got the, well, I don't know. It's like what we've seen in the Barrow Downs. Yeah, exactly. That's why I was keen to see if we saw it on any stonework like we did there. But I I don't see it on any stonework yet. And then, to, anyway, so down below the swirly pattern and then what looks like a sand dollar or maybe marijuana is down... Um, uh, I don't think... I don't think that this was meant to be an image down here at the bottom. kind of looks like hops. I work for a brewery, and I've, I've drawn hops so many times, I'm starting to recognize <laughs> Right. <laughs> right. That's true. 
Okay. Beautiful knotwork on the side. I see a bird and. Yeah, that yeah, bird I was looking at. You see that? You see the bird stooping down with its head, like, yeah, yeah, waterfowl, right? Stooping down and either pecking on the ground or. Yeah, I saw that too. Chasing people with bags of crisps. <laughs> right, the bird. Yeah, cry. yeah. Right, right. <laughs> This sounds like a traumatic experience coming to No, where did you get that idea? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. But hang on. So JJ said there were other... Oh, yeah, we do have the other statues over here. Okay. So these are familiar faces. This one is the, like, hungover one from the gate. And it has... Yep, yeah, it does have the the face on the back. Um, this is the one, right, with the eyes and the eyebrows... And he has a backwards face, too. Yep. Is it... It's not quite the same. Okay. Or is it? Is this guy symmetrical? Uh... This one right here? It's a mirror image. Yeah. Oh, no, it's the same. It's the same image, just back to back. Back to back, yeah. I don't think we saw that before. It's like an Oreo cookie. Yeah. I don't think we saw that before. And then this post. its It looks like a fence post, but it's not. And it's carved. It's got carvings in it. But they don't seem to be... Well, no, they are pictorial. There's some, there's some leaves. That's a definite... It's a definite leaf. Yeah. It's a leaf on post... I guess it's how strange. I don't remember just seeing a decorate, decorated post. Let's um, see if I can get a better view of it. I can't tell if there's faces in it or if that's just pareidolia. I don't think there's a face. Yeah, I think I'm just making faces with my brain. Yeah, which is easy enough to do when these Looks kinds like of figures... There might have been something that was once on it, but it got worn down. You notice how it split down the middle? Maybe this is just a way of... Uh, maybe this was once something bigger and it's just been weathered by time. Or... Yeah, maybe the face fell off. But it's so much skinnier than the others. I mean, it's clearly not like them. It's not the same kind of thing as them. You same, know what it's kind of... The same wood as them. It is the same wood as them. You know, it's kind of like... Is, is, look, look at this one up here. Maybe it was something somebody started and then couldn't finish because <laughs> it fell apart. Right. This is a pillar. No, look, and it's got two more of the little side stumps around it, which it's are the like same. A totem or icon, Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Like this cobra duck here can, is like a guardian of the chieftain. Hmm. Well, it's interesting because the faced figures all would seem to be... Um, uh, would all seem to be guardian figures. I mean, they're posted by the gates and such. Yeah, I mean, it does seem to be the same kind of workmanship, and as you say, the same wood as the other statues. Mm-hmm. How odd. Well, we'll have to see what else. We, and there's a cluster of them. I mean, there's a little small one over here. There's a tall one on the other side around that central pillar, which looks like it has a capital, like a pillar. 
on top. It does. But it's, was did this once stand somewhere else in a hall? There's a lot of elements on this that does make me think this is sort of a nomadic people. The fact that, you know, they have everything made out of wood instead of stone. And their their houses look kind of slapped together. Yeah. Well, I mean, the houses... Well, yeah, but the the panes are little itty-bitty tiny bits of glass and not giant panes. The shutters don't seem to be hung very well. Mm -hmm. Well, that's certainly true. There's not a lot of decoration on the house either, just outside it. Yeah, I mean, thinking about contrasting it with, for instance, all of the carving that we see in Rohan, you know, in the houses, on the beams of the houses and such. Yeah. yeah. This, these guys strike me as more nomadic than even the Rohirrim are. What if it's a historical preservationist impulse again? What if these statues are, again, designed to be kind of memories to or sort of nods to the older days? Um of this culture, which they've obviously not forgotten. You can tell on account of how everybody in town... Look at this guy. He's got a different one around his neck. He's got a whole head and neck assembly there around his neck. Yeah, there yeah. he is. He's got a little man. Yeah. Yeah. That's not just the same kind of pendant that some of them are wearing at their waists and the ladies have on at the end of, like, uh-huh. rosary cords. Um... Um, got a big old Milton Hall treasure plate on his belly. Yeah. That's... Yeah, so I think... I conclude that this society of people is very mindful of their traditional past, proud of their traditional past, um, even though they have moved beyond it in many ways... All of these things are ancient. We don't see any new statues like this or pillars like that. They're all very old. Um, Barta wanted to draw attention to the sort of chimney thing in the top there. Chimney etching? Uh, no, there's a, there's sort of a tower poking out of the top there. Of the house? Yes, of the house. You can see, you can only see it like from over here. Okay, wait, hang on a second. Where are you? I'm on this rock over here. Oh, you're, I know, you're, okay. you're looking right. for Valorian on the line. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, all right. Uh, oh, yeah. It's got okay. like a it's 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 got like a widow's walk up in the top. Yeah. Well, here's my theory. Barda says it's probably not a chimney, but I think it is. I think, think this it could is? be like one of those like a smoke got hole? A big fire in the middle of the house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is sending the smoke upward, but keeping the rain off. Yeah, big old hearth in the middle, and so you've got the mm-hmm. you've got the it's going to let uh, air in. Yeah, I mean. On the one hand, you know, you could see having something like a watchtower up there because this is obviously the highest point in the town. But, I mean, let's face it. There's so many trees around here. A watchtower ain't going to do you all that much good. No. Ooh, another chimney over here. But this one looks like a proper chimney. Which one? Like, oh, right uh, there. The With smoke yeah. actually emerging from it? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, right. So, well, that would just suggest yeah, that they have more than one Maybe heart. it's too warm. Maybe it's too warm for the big boy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, too. You don't want to light the big boy up. It's, it's, uh, and besides, this is probably the kitchen, right? Like they're cooking over there, whereas the other one is the big central hearth. The company fire. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or the, and the central heating. Right. Quite central heating. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I, I mean, I could see. 
I, I wouldn't be shocked to discover that it were actually something like a, a you know watchtower as well. But um, absolutely, I wish we could go inside and find out. Yeah, yeah, me too. All right. Well, let's head out cross country. We still have a few minutes to get horribly killed. I mean, to find the Gladden <laughs> Fields. Um, uh, so this will be fun. So we'll get to the gates, and I'll let you guys go first. Maybe you should go on horse just so we can outrun some of these. Oh guys. yeah, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I don't think I'm gonna go on uh, war steed because I think I want a little more control than that. Yeah minute you get up into the mountains of war steeds like uh trying to use a skateboard down the stairs right exactly so okay uh so i'm gonna um i want to go find that's gotta be that island in the middle has got to be where the battle was so there's got i've I've got to find the battlefield right that's 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 clear so let's go down and swim the river i guess is what we do so let's head south and then when we get down across from it we'll swim the river wow who just hit me for almost all of my wow who was stacking me oh what 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 is that who is that you already who yeah who, who who was laying into me i can't see anything like a squirrel or anything, was it? Yeah, no problem. I'm coming right back. Okay. Could, well, a squirrel that did 15,000? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, hang yeah, on. We were all I'm shocked coming back. by the deer in, in Trollshaws. Yeah, exactly. Oh, is it roots? Oh, maybe it was a root. Oh, no. Yeah, okay. Not roots. Well, we gotta be, we gotta be vigilant. All right. Yeah, boy, Roots would be really annoying, wasn't it? Yeah, I was I was thinking Frumius Bujum. I was thinking the invisible guards were hunting me down again. <laughs> That's what it kind of looked like. should tell you what killed you. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, what killed me? Uh, yeah, it was a root. A veil root. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. Boy, that, those are going to be hard to see, aren't they? Yeah. I got my names on. Hopefully I can see it a little better, but we might have to go on foot then. Right. That's okay. We can go on foot. Right. Yeah, no problem. Headed straight back. This is going to be fun. See, it's nice to have a bit of a challenge, right? Our, our field trips have been very tame, right? Now this is a field trip with a little, with a tang of adventure. Right? It would be a lot worse. Dying is fungicational. It is. Besides which, it would be much worse if I had to, uh, um, if I couldn't just pop straight back from Bree. Okay, I'm going to go on foot. I'm going to go on foot. Um, and uh, here we go. All right. No problem. No problem. I can clearly take one hit without being killed. So, there you go. From a root. From a root. Yeah. Yeah, from a root. Okay. All right. So this is great. That's a friendly bog lurker. Okay, just checking. Yeah. It's a friendly malgrim and a friendly bog lurker. Yeah. yeah. Oh, giant tree. Oh, giant tree. Okay. I know better than to right. mess with 
It's a meandering horn. It's a horn that meandered. It was just meandering. I mean, okay, it was probably going to harm me, but like, what did it yeah, harm? Yeah. Okay, all right, I'm seeing red dots. Uh, okay. By the time they close on me, it's probably too late. So, um, okay. Yeah, okay. Right. That's good. No, this is great. This is great. Loving the view of the of the grass, right? loving the view of the mountains across the river. Oh, yeah. That's excellent. Okay. This is very good. Okay. Love the blue flowers. Okay, thanks for the Yeah, I haven't got back to Anduin yet. Oh, yeah. Thanks for the morale bubble. That's excellent. Oh, there's a hind. Yeah, I don't trust them. Uh-oh, there's another deer savagely attacking somebody. Yeah. Probably coming for you. Yeah, probably on its way. Okay. Intruder! Intruder! All right. Let's see. Oh, Okay. I spy the meandering, another hum, meandering horn, so we've got a big walking tree. Like I'd miss anything, any enemy big and obvious like that. <laughs> when I'm vulnerable. <laughs> it's a good thing those horns don't have the kind of stealth capability that the Mohawk yeah, have. Yeah. yeah. Gotta be careful. Alright, wargs, no chance. Besides which, I'm not that far under level, after all. I'm just a little bit under level. You, you squishing head. <laughs> well, yeah, I know, but it's not like I'm a level 10, you know, is what I'm saying. No, no, like, it no. It could no, be no. much worse. I, I think the, 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 the grass would come up and strangle you on principle if you were level 10. Right, yeah, probably so. Okay. Okay, I see some. All right, we're almost there. I see it. I see it in the distance. What must be Isildur's last stand? Do we want to go down to the river? Can we, is there a cliff here? Can we approach the river? Where's? How can we get to the river? I want to cross. I see the spot I want to start my explorations. Can we get down? Uh, be careful. Sometimes it's swift water can knock you out, too. No, we can't. It's a cliff. Okay, so we got to go around? All right. Yeah. Let's look for a way of descent, then. A way, a safe descent. Okay. No problem. Whoa, something's poking at you right there. Who? Where? Uh, the Tusker. Oh, from behind? No, it's coming right. Coming up the riverbank. Oh, I didn't see him. All right. Oh, hey, here we go. Here we go. Great. Perfect. A nice descent down to the river. What could be better? All right. Straight across to... Where is it? Man, the Tuskers are like swimming towards you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. All right. 
No problem. We're crossing the river. Ooh, lots of red guys. Ooh, what's, oh, that's a tree trunk. Wow, okay. Yeah. Now entering the Gladden Fields. All right. We've almost uh -oh. made it. It's kind of ominous mist looking there. It is a little bit ominous. Look at this mist that just happened to be here and nowhere okay. else. Right there's the... Oh, I can see what look like defensive fortifications. I can't wait. Okay. All right, here we go. Are there any, like, tadpoles or anything that are going to kill me as we're swimming? Lord. Yeah, leeches. Watch out for leeches. Leeches, yeah. Yeah, okay. Here we go. All right. Oh, those mountains look a little less friendly now, don't they? Yeah, they do. Okay. Oh, we got glimmers. Uh, something's. Who's that over there? Huh. What Some was that? Fires on that mountain. Okay, we've got flies, right? Okay. Oh, okay. I'm yeah, those seeing. Flies are... I'm seeing palisades. All right. I'm loving it. You notice the the fires on the mountainside? Um. Oh, down due, at the foothills there. Yeah. At the foot of the In the foothills, yeah. Who's over there? Goblins. Huh. Right. Okay. Not goblins. Not goblins. Not goblins. Okay. All oh, right. So. Well, we'll have to... We'll have to... Sharky's Slough. Oh, that's interesting. Sharky's Slough. Is All it right. Slough or Slough? Slough. Well, I've heard it pronounced both ways. I kind of like slew. Hang on, sloopy, sloopy, hang on. Uh, which always, of course, makes me think of the slew of despond in uh, Pilgrim's Progress. Mm. Um, well, okay, there, people. Somebody's trying to kill me. I feel confident. Uh, let's let's. I saw the bogies. Where are they? There's something red behind over this way. What is it? Oh, it's a cutthroat. There's a ruffian cutthroat sitting right there in the bushes. Of course there is. But that, uh, that reminds me. Oh, they're hidden. That's why. They're hidden. Yeah. Okay. The, uh, the, the slew slough thing reminds me of when I first read uh, Lord of the Rings and I was confused by the Ent Droth. Draft. Yeah, draft, yeah. Like yeah, the like, draft, yeah. giving him a drought to drink? So exactly. Confused. That doesn't make any sense at all on any level. Yeah. Okay. Oh, whoa. What is in here? Uh, uh, more cutthroats, I should think. A quarry? How peculiar. That is not... It does look like a quarry. It's like a quarry near my neighborhood. It is not what I was expecting or hoping for, I have to admit. So these are defensive fortifications. They are orc fortifications. As, of course, certainly we wouldn't expect a 3,000-year-old wooden palisade to still be around. No. But... Sharky's Slough, huh? Oh, I know what it must be! Oh, this has got to be an archaeological site! This oh. is a dig from Saruman. Right? Right. Yeah. Gotta looking be. For, Gotta he's be. He's looking for the ring. 
Yes, he is looking for... So this is going to be the site of the battle, and it's not that the Numenorians built here in, like, dug into a, a pit. I'm trying to find a way in so we can go in, because it looks like there's lots of enemies that will certainly kill me right away in there, but we have to go inside. Like, that's yeah. clearly what needs to happen. Um, <laughs> Great. Yeah. No problem. I just have wonderful faith in uh, my protectors. Now, who's down there? That looks like a ghost down there. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of roaming spirits around. Lost here, spirits. Lost yep. spirits. Interesting. Okay. So we've got some unquiet dead. All right. Okay. Maybe of uh, Isildur's men. You know, maybe. Maybe. Okay. All right. So this is a watchtower or a, an observational post? Definitely a lookout for anyone who might in interlopers. Possibly so. Oh, this is exciting. Okay. Oh, no. Gloom waters. Those guys are bad news. Gloom waters are always bad news. Okay. I can oh, wow. Can see in a little bit more query here now. What do we Maybe have? Use a bulldozer to find a china cup. <laughs> yeah. If they actually dammed some of the river for this. Yeah. Or if they, like, maybe the river changed course over the years. Oh. Oop. Oh, yeah. They're coming up after me. You can't see us. Oh, we can't kill the them because they're the on the fence. wrong side of the walls and they can't attack us. Oh, no. Oh, well. Come on, guys. Grow a clue. Go around. Something's tickling me. I don't know what it is. Uh, we seem to be at an impasse with these dredgers. See, I was right. Half-orc dredgers? Obviously. They are yep. dredging... Yep. This is Saruman's archaeological team. Clearly. Okay. Okay, there we go. Okay. No, that's great. Yep. He's looking for Numenorean relics. And, of course, for the ring. Uh, but he would have been looking for other things, too. Which means that, logically, any actual remnants of the Numenorean battlefield will be gone. Because Saruman yeah. will have plowed them under in any, anything remaining from the Numenoreans will have been taken. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's why we keep finding relics on thieves. Oh, do you? Yeah. Yeah, they're palming That's relics. A constant thing, constant thing to find scholarly relics on thieves. See, so I'm looking at my loot, my pending loot. Okay. Yeah, found some parchments and. Oh yeah, you're right. Okay, let's see. That's great. Oh, very interesting. See, I. Oh, here, being attacked down. That was the rest. Yeah. Relic yeah. hunters. That's what it. That's what he was called. He was called a relic hunter. These guys from uphill are called relic hunters. Yep. Okay. Yeah, Frumius Bujum, I do tend to think that they're designed to be. These are designed to be less lookout towers than um, overseer towers, essentially. 
go up into this camp. Can we do that? Is the coast more or less clear? There's somebody... There's more ruffian just... keepers down the hill there, but oh, I think if okay. I... Oh, I think more. they're coming for me. Oh, there we go. Oh, they're I coming. Gotcha. They're coming. Yeah. There we go. Alright. Running away. Oop. Oop. Well, they almost got me. Got me once. But I got Great better. Okay, no problem. No problem. And All my right. cat climbed over the tent. Okay. Um, anything in this camp up here? So the fortifications have been erected out of wood and like furs and canvas, it looks like. Um, huh. Like they're expected to be attacked. It's weird. What? By whom are they expecting attack? Sauron? Gandalf. Yeah, Bjornings? I don't... I don't know who would be... <laughs> Probably to keep it secret from Sauron. Maybe they're afraid of Sauron's men taking it over. Maybe. Maybe. But that means, logically, that Elenda, or Isildur, rather, would have gone east from here to the uh -huh. river. Well, let's let's see if we can see the bigger site. Hang on, we got lots of dudes who've respawned, I think. But actually, okay, maybe we should come back here next time because it's getting late. Mm -hmm. Of course, it does take a little longer to travel when we have to cra travel with as much caution, but that's okay. Yeah, it's worth it for the thrill of investigation and exploration. Yep. Let's just peek over the edge since we've made it this far. Oops. Oh, they snuck up on you. All right. Good work with the healing. Um, yeah, it doesn't look like it's... It doesn't look like it's in use. Um, Maybe I, they gave up once they, once they realized that the ring had been found. They just said, forget it, screw it. Let's see what else we can find somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, these beams look like they could have supported some kind of crane or something like that. There look to be we there are large wheels down there. Um, look oh, like yeah. water wheels. Um, Definitely digging for something. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, on the one hand, it's disappointing not to find a, a nice archaeological site that we could poke around in ourselves, but um, and I have to say, this is very this is very typically Lotro. <laughs> very typically Lotro. First, to be reading the text as carefully as they are, right? That is to, um, uh, because of course they, they obviously, you know, know that uh, Saruman uh, came and studied here and searched long here for the ring um, so that they would have this site occupied but you know they would resist the temptation you know to have you be able to find the ruins of because there's there's an obvious attractiveness that, to that right to like find the site of the battlefield where Isildur made his last stand um, but of course you wouldn't be able to because Saruman found it first and excavated it um, and so on the one hand, them be it's very like Lotro to be uh, such careful readers of the text and so true to what is described in the text. Um, but it's also very like Lotro to have it be so huge, right? I mean, like 
this is not just he gave this place a once-over, right? This is like a massive work of excavation that's been done here. Like he wanted to make sure that nothing was um, evident under, you know, a good hundred feet of, of uh, you know, bedrock here. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Oh, you you do get a you do get a, a quest. Do you get an instance for Isildur's last stand for the disaster of Gladdenfield? That I would kind of have expected, but um, okay. Anyway, cool, cool. That's excellent. I'm very glad that they that they did that. All right, very good. Um, well, thank you everybody for coming. Thanks for guarding me here today. That was very, very helpful. Couldn't have couldn't have gotten here without you. Um, this is a fun discovery. Uh, 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 just exactly what I think we should find here. Uh, we'll explore around a little bit more to see if we can find any other evidences, uh, and then we'll move on maybe to Ross Goble. I don't know if we'll get to Ross Goble next week, but we'll see what we can do. Um, uh, anyway. Um, uh, so thanks everybody for joining me and um uh i think i'm gonna head back to brie now oh i didn't die i mean i was expecting to be killed by the fall and then i would end up back in brie that was my cunning plan oh well i guess i just have to wander around to somebody kills me dudes respawn and kill you yeah yeah i could do that well fine run into a mob yep it's fine or I could just use my milestone. Either or. Um, but anyway, awesome. Uh, oh, here they come. Here come the mobs to help me in my travels. Yeah. You want us to heal you? Nah, it's fine. Thank you, everybody. Right. Good night. I will see you guys next week. <laughs> Bye now. Thanks for joining me on this epic exploration of The Lord of the Rings and of Standing Stone's video adaptation of Tolkien's story. If you are having even half the fun I'm having on this journey, I hope you will consider supporting the project by donating at signumuniversity.org fund.